It's time now for the complete story with Rich Bot, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Rich Bot with today's complete story. And folks, this is Rich Bot, and I am delighted to have in our studio some special guests. We have a very special program uh, that we're going to be presenting, talking about one of the most important issues of our day. Uh, one of our guests here is Donna Liphold, and she's with with an organization called Culture Shield. And Donna brought with her two guests that we're going to be talking about and hearing their story. But Donna, welcome to The Complete Story. Thank you so much, Rich. It's always good to be here. And tell us about um, what you have been doing the last uh, day or two in the state capital of Topeka. Well, we wanted to invite the changed movement into Topeka because we know that the onslaught of indoctrination all across the nation, really around the world, is in regard to the LGBTQ movement. And so we knew that we had to be prepared to come and have them come and talk to our legislators and help us all understand how can we protect our culture and at the same time, how can we love them? Yes, and how can we protect our culture, or actually our families, our children, and uh, also have the, the right and the freedom to proclaim the Word of God and the truth of Scripture for such a time as this. One of our uh, guests is from probably the epicenter of, of all of this, with, which would be the great state of California, and uh, Elizabeth Wanning, and she is with an organization called Changed Movement. Elizabeth, welcome to Bot Radio Network and The Complete Story. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, Elizabeth, tell us um, what changed movement is and why it's important. Well, changed movement is a grassroots network of men and women who have come out of the LGBTQ subculture. Or basically, at one point or another in their life, they've experienced LGBT or identified as LGBT. And through their faith, they've left the community, they've dropped the identity, and now consider themselves heterosexual. And this is your story as well. Right. Mm-hmm. You are like Exhibit A. Exhibit A, that's right. <laughs> you know. Tell us your story. So a, just a little bit briefly about my story. So I, I came out when I was in my early 20s after questioning my sexuality as a teen for several years. Um, lived in the gay community for most of my 20s, well, well into my 30s, and um, decided to go to seminary when I was about 30, openly gay. So I had been part of the Presbyterian Church my whole life and um, had a heart for God, the things of God, the Bible, um, and yet I found myself with same-sex desires. And so it was, um, it, you know, I want to say it's incredibly painful and challenging to find yourself with same-sex desires as a Christian, not really knowing what to do or how to proceed. And I only knew, I only knew one way to engage um, considering I had same-sex attraction, and that was to come out and to quietly follow my faith. And I was presented with the opportunity to go to seminary, and so I did. I was one of just a few students at the time, maybe five or six, who were out and open. And there we began engaging uh, in the gay affirming church. We began pushing towards affirming uh, church leadership as gay and ordaining gays and lesbians. And then I graduated from... And, and this is a big movement in churches these days, isn't it? It was huge. Now, it was pretty small then. Um, that was in 2000 when I was in seminary or when I first started seminary. 
Um, it was a very big deal um, and risky, scary. And you were involved in this all the while uh, believing that you were a believer in Jesus, a Christian, and pursuing seminary and wanting to serve him? Mm-hmm. Were, you, were you conflicted in any way? Um, I think that by that point, the confliction that I had, you know, th- that conflict that I had dealt with was gone. Like when I came out, realized I believed, at least I believed that I had been born gay. Um, I believed that God blessed that in my life. I believed that the context of the scriptures that we that we read where homosexuality is sin were not applicable to me, that they were um, contextual only, basically. And so I was not really in seminary concerned about my sexuality at all. I was concerned that there were many, many gay and lesbian friends who were not being welcomed to the gospel. They were not finding a church home. And I was more concerned about providing space for them in the context of my understanding of homosexuality in the church. Mm-hmm. So, so looking back now, would you say that what you believed, you really that you had believed a lie? Yeah, I would, I would definitely say I believed a lie. But um, you believed it wholeheartedly. Completely, yeah. Um, because there was only one storyline offered to me. Ah. Um, so when I graduated from seminary, then I began doing youth ministry. So I went to seminary in a large metropolitan area and then moved to a very small rural area. And for the first, in time, first time in my life, came into touch with the charismatic church. And um, a fellow youth pastor in that community invited me to his youth group one night and the Holy Spirit showed up in power. I always say it was a, pre- a Presbyterian's worst nightmare. It was <laughs> really um, lots of passion, kids on the ground and weeping, etc. And I experienced um, the presence of the Lord for the first time and had an, in- an encounter with the Lord where I believed for the first time in my life that He knew me specifically. Ah. And did you begin to read the Bible differently? I did. From that moment, I thought, if he knows who I am, I have no idea who he is. And so I began, I picked up a Bible, a new Bible with a yellow highlighter, and began desecrating my Bible, something I'd never done before. And um, I, I went through the Bible, and I highlighted every place in the Bible where God described himself. And out of that, just became enthralled with the beauty of God, the excellence of God. And... Um, that journey, I did that for about a year. It took a little over a year for me to go through that personal study. As I questioned who God was, I also began questioning who I was. And then I was also in the context of a group of people who knew the love of Christ and, and could cultivate the presence of God for me. And I began, um, I began questioning why I had believed I was a lesbian, ultimately repented, and began the journey out of the gay community. This is all part of your discipleship journey. It was. It wasn't, you know, I didn't go through a program or anything like that. I literally was just trying to follow the Lord wholeheartedly and um, ultimately found myself attracted to a man, which was super confusing, um, even humiliating, honestly, considering what I believed about myself at the time. And um, in that journey, God very tenderly, very compassionately showed me his love and eventually I got married. I've been married to my husband for 15 years. 
So now tell us uh, about changed movement then. So this is your, your personal testimony. How has it also been something that you feel is important to share with others and to have an impact on some of the legislation that's being proposed these mm-hmm. days? Yeah. So fast forward to where I'm at now. I and a pastor there have similar stories. And a mutual friend said, hey, you guys need to meet. And so we began getting together over coffee and comparing notes and discovered that God had done many similar things in different ways in both of our lives. And we thought, we need to help people. Mm -hmm. So we started doing that and also hoping to help churches deal with the issue better and, and more compassionately. We formed a ministry called Equipped to Love. So Ken Williams and I are founders of that. And at one point, a couple of years ago, we became aware of a bill in California Um, AB 2943, that was basically a bill that said, since we know sexual orientation can't change, um, any service or resource offered that proposes sexual orientation can should be considered fraud. And that meant that for Ken and me, any of our own personal resources that we'd produced or any of the help that we were offering could be banned in the state. And um, at that time, we were watching our friends, some of their resources being pulled from Amazon, like Joe Dallas and Ann Polk and Joseph Nicolosi's works were being pulled from Amazon. And we thought, we've got to speak up. So we started... um, Even the the presentation of the Word of God and and biblical preaching about what the Bible actually says could be banned under such a legislation as that. Well, at the most extreme, although maybe that's hyperbolic, I'm not sure. But at that point, we were like, wow, where is this headed? And so both Ken and I found ourselves testifying in the committee hearings against that bill and um, in the Capitol. And uh, in that season, then, we were in a committee hearing and an assemblyman said, I don't believe your stories and I don't believe there are other people like you. And so we, we left the Capitol thinking, what can we do? And so Ken said, we need a book. So we quickly called 30 of our friends and transcribed a four or five hundred word testimony of them published our first edition of the book Changed, which um, we then printed and had it uh, ready to go for an event on June 12th. We decided we would hold a rally on June 12th, hoping that that would be the day that the Senate Judiciary hearing would be. We had no idea that that would be a sure thing. We invited all of the is friends. This in Sacramento? You're, is the Senate mm-hmm. Judiciary in the, in the capital, capital of California, mm-hmm. Sacramento? And so on the day before, we brought our friends into town, flew them all into town, because we're from all over the country. We're not all from California. And um, we took copies of that book to all the legislators, and especially all the senators, and just shared our stories. And then the next day, we did a rally on the Capitol steps, where all of us shared just briefly our testimonies. So we shared about two and a half hours of live public testimony of men and women who have left the lifestyle, did a press conference. We had about three or 400 Christians there, and then we all proceeded together into the Senate hearing to listen to us testify. And um, like at least two or 300 Christians testified on the Me Too mic in that bill and still it passed out of committee. So that bill actually passed in both houses, but had been amended in the Senate. So it was waiting to be passed again in the Assembly at the end of the legislative season. And the sponsor of the bill, um, who is a gay man, um, after seeing what we had done, he had met several pastors that encouraged him to travel the state 
and he traveled the state, spoke with um, pastors and leaders, and ultimately um, ended up pulling the bill. Hmm. Well, you know, so many of these testimonies that I've seen, uh, read, or on your website heard, are faith-based. There's a spiritual component to what happened here, and there was an encounter with God. Mm-hmm. One of the uh, one of the people was Angel Cologne, and we have his testimony from uh, these are the these are the steps of the the Capitol in in uh, Sacramento. Is that where this is? Well, so we've been in Sacramento. We've also been in Washington D.C. So you could have watched a this, video from either place. This maybe from Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. Let's hear Angel Cologne because he was a survivor of the Pulse nightclub shooting. Mm -hmm, That's right. My name is Angel Cologne. I am a former homosexual. I am a survivor of the Pulse nightclub shooting on June 12, 2016. I was shot six times, sustained a shattered femur, and suffered nerve damage. A day I will never forget, a big turning point in my life. Even in the midst of chaos, I prayed and prophesied over my life that I would survive and live free, and here I am today. Amen. Standing with no cane, here in the Capitol with my changed family. Many think I've made my decision to leave the LGBT community lifestyle because of the shooting, but I was desiring change way before June 12, 2016. Going through this horrible tragedy made me make the biggest decision in my life, which I'm very happy with. I've made this this decision a year after Pulse nightclub shooting, finding what was the most important thing in my life, which was finding my true identity, which was in Christ. And today I stand here in the Capitol, sharing to the world that change is possible. Yes, I am known as a Pulse survivor, but I really want to be known as living proof that God does transform lives. Amen. And that's the truth, isn't that it? That is so awesome. That's, yeah. that's your story also. And this book changed. How can people get a copy of this? You can buy a copy of it on our changedmovement.com website. Um, and you can also get a link to the website from our Instagram site. Okay. Changedmovement.com. And so, I mean, basically the same thing that we did in Sacramento, we brought to Kansas this past week and spent time passing out copies of Change. I brought in just a very small team, not 30 people, but a small team of diverse uh, experiences. And you do this in state capitals all over the country, I suppose, because this is something that's needed everywhere. Well, the reality is, and probably the most important message that we have is that people like us exist. We exist. And there are thousands of people in the LGBT community who are questioning their sexuality, who want avenues out and want to find places where they can find restoration and wholeness in their lives. And that's consistent with the Bible. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, such were some of you. Yeah, praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, that's the past tense. <laughs> right? But uh, God, God can deliver us from sin, and that's what we thank him for. And that's what Jesus came to die on the cross for. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be celebrating that at Easter time before too long. It's not an easy journey. 
but it's one well, well worth it. Yes. Well, he didn't promise that it would be easy, but he promised that it would be worth it. Mm-hmm. And the reward at the end is out of this world. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen now. Uh, I want to take a minute to talk to Tamika because Tamika has a different story to tell, and you're from Dallas. Yes. And Tamika, we're so glad to have you in our studios here uh, at Bot Radio Network on The Complete Story. Tell us your story, and uh, your group is called Coming Out. Yes. Tell us your story. Okay. So Coming Out um, overall is a ministry that um, our mission is to disciple those that want to leave the LGBTQ community. So we do outreach in the gay community. We go out to the pride parades, and we evangelize. We share the gospel. We share stories of change. We share information about our ministry. And we pretty much are looking for those that want to leave and don't know where to go. And so um, the way that got started was about 10 years ago, I, um, I was a part of a college campus ministry. And the pastor asked me to mentor a young lady who was struggling with being transgender and gender confusion. Now, were you a student at the time? I was a student in college, yes. I was in my senior year of college, and she was a freshman. So at the time, I was thinking, oh, okay, that makes sense to me. Did you grow up in church, and you, did you trust the Lord at an early age? Yes, yeah, so I grew up in church. Um, when I got to college is when I established an intimate relationship with the Lord, and I myself had been discipled, and the Lord was using my college campus ministry to teach me Um, about ministry, and I knew I was called to ministry, but at the time I didn't know what kind of ministry I was called to. And so the pastor asked me to mentor a young lady, and when I met her, she was dressed in boys' clothing, and I thought she was just athletic. I didn't think she was struggling with gender confusion. So when she told me her story, and she said, oh, I thought that I've been living as a boy, and I really thought that I was born a boy. But I have been praying recently for God to provide a way out. And I asked him specifically to help me get out of this lifestyle and to stay out. And then she told me that she had a dream that I was the young lady, um, that someone was helping her get out of the lifestyle. And I was the young lady in the dream. And so it really caught me by surprise because I had never heard of a person desiring to change or leave the LGBTQ community. And so initially I told her that I couldn't help her because I didn't know what to do. And so I went home and I prayed and the Lord dealt with my heart and he said, meet with her until you graduate. So for six months, I met with her and I discipled her and I taught her how to pray, how to establish a relationship with the Lord, how to fast. I taught her who God was and, and who she was through scripture, who God says she is. And within that, I watched God change her heart, change her desires. And one day she came to me and she's like, I don't believe I'm a boy anymore. I want to embrace my femininity. She wanted to throw away all her men's clothing. And that started a process of change for her. So later on, I went on to graduate from college and I thought that was just a one-time thing. I did a great deed for the Lord and I'm going to go on and Fulfill the, my the, career goals. The Lord used you powerfully <laughs> yes. in her life. In and, her life, that was it. And now you're moving on to something else. Exactly. That's what I thought. So I thought. And so um, once I moved to Washington, D.C., actually, um, to attend, trying to go to grad school, I met a young lady who had also experienced change. And I shared with her what, you know, the one thing, great thing that I did for the Lord and the other young lady's life. And she goes, I want to ask you something. Um, There's a panel discussion happening at Howard University, and the LGBTQ club is having a panel discussion on Christianity and homosexuality. 
we need one more person to be on a panel. Would you consider it? And I said, okay. So I get to the discussion in the panel, and the entire panel um, has Christians that are gay affirming. So the pa- there was a pastor on the panel who was married to his partner, who they both had their own churches. There was also a transsexual worship leader who had already gone through the sex operation to live as a woman. And he was living as um, as a woman and leading worship. And then there was me. And then the liaison for all the religious organizations on the campus who was like very liberal in her beliefs on sexuality. Now, when you say a pastor who was gay affirming, I... I, I think in terms of like the blind leading the blind or (laughs) wolves in sheep's clothing or something like that? I mean, that's kind of contrary to what the Bible teaches. Well, I think that it was more of them not having an intimate encounter with the Lord and fully understanding their identity in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think it was done with malice in their heart. I really think they just didn't know. But what it did for me is it put me in a position to force me to, um, I couldn't cushion the truth. And God challenged me in that moment, are you going to stand up for the truth? Uh-huh. And so because I was on this panel and I knew that there was going to be a distortion of the truth shared with the other Christians that I had to be the one to step up. And I didn't know how to do that. And so I prayed. I said, Lord, your word says that you will give us the words to say. Tell me how to say this, because I know that I'm going to have to disagree with a lot of things being said on the panel, but I also need to be concerned about the audience in their hearts. So when I got because you want to speak the truth in love, because the truth will set you free. Yes, exactly. So once I finished, um, I just kind of swallowed my gut and I go, "Okay, I hope I did a good job. And when I looked up, there were about 20 people from the audience standing in front of me with tears in their eyes. And they all said, I never heard the truth spoken with so much love and compassion. I didn't feel judged. We know the truth. I actually felt compelled to change. And they all asked me, could they be a part of my mentoring program? (laughs) And I said, I don't, oh Lord, I don't have, I don't have a mentoring program. But they began to tell me their horror stories about how the church had treated them because of their sexual orientation. But they also shared with me their desire to want to change. And I left there grieving because I did not have a resource to offer them. I didn't know a program that existed, but I was like, Lord, something has to be done. So fast forward to when the national law was being passed um, to affirm same-sex marriage and make it legal in the country. It's like a Supreme Court decision. Yes. So the the first girl that I mentored, around that time, she shared her testimony on Facebook, and it went viral. And there were several hundred Every day she would get at least 50 inboxes of people saying, how did you come out of the lifestyle? I want to change, too. How can I get help? And she was sending them all to me. And I'm like, Lord, I don't have a program. (laughs) I don't have any resources to send them. But it opened my eyes like there are people really desiring change and they don't have any place to go. And so um, I felt the Lord share, tell me that, like he spoke that very clear. And he said, there are pastors, leaders, evangelists, ministers and prophets in the LGBTQ community that are looking for a way out and they don't know where to go. And I want you to go find them. And I was, you know, it was like, I didn't know really how to respond to that. But I was like, okay, Lord, yes. And so um, many years later, I didn't do anything initially at that time. I just kind of kept that word in the back of my heart. Many years later, when I really felt the call of the Lord to step out and go into full-time ministry, I heard the voice of the Lord say that I want to redefine what it means to come out. Mm -hmm. 
And within that is when I established coming out. So that's, that's why the name of your, your group, your organization, yes. Coming Out. So that's the name of our organization. And we're redefining what it means to come out through outreach and discipleship. And so we go out to the Gay Pride Festivals and we evangelize. We pray for people. We love on people. We pass out free water and free snacks. We share information about changing. And we look for those that want to change. We're not forcing people to change, but we're exposing them to the truth and the other side of the story in case they're looking. And then if they desire to change, we're wanting to establish a support program for them to be able to walk that change out in, in, in their faith. I heard somebody talk about the, the post-truth era that we're in now, where people don't even believe that there is such a thing as truth. Yeah. But there is. Yes. And it's found in the Word of God, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Is, is that is, is that the key to your uh, mentoring program to help people is the Word of God? Yes, the Word of God is the key. Just like you said, it is a truth that set people free. And so... The Word of God is my main um, source of information of how I help someone establish truth. There has to be an absolute truth and foundation to what they believe in order to um, experience freedom. Elizabeth and Tamika, thank you so much for the work that God has called you to do. Elizabeth, tell us that website again if people want more information about Changed Movement, if they can support the work that you do, or if they can call or, or email to get answers to questions that they may have, or to pick up a copy of the book, Changed. Yeah, you can find us at changedmovement.com or on Instagram at changedmovement, changedmvmt. Now, this is something that's not limited to California. It's not limited to Topeka, but it's happening all over the country where these conversion, so-called conversion therapy bands trap people into that lifestyle. They do. Basically, what we're hearing right now is if you have the experience of LGBTQ, there's only one healthy way to respond, and that is to embrace the lifestyle uh, to embrace the identity and the experience and then the subculture and enter into it. And so a conversion therapy ban basically says if you're questioning your sexuality, there's only one appropriate route to respond, and that's by embracing it. That's kind of what the devil would like us all to believe, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But what does Jesus say about that? Jesus says anything is possible for him. Yes. And, I mean, these conversion therapy bans, though, are not just limited to impacting the LGBT community. Because they, they have the power to stifle the gospel. They can impact, well, really, directly any private conversation that a person would want to have with their pastor about their sexuality or would want to have with a counselor about their sexuality. And so these bands, kind of in a slow, boiling frog kind of a way, are really limiting or could very possibly limit how the gospel is being shared. Well, thank you, Elizabeth, and thank you, Tamika, and thank you, Donna, for bringing these thank guests you. into the studio yes. with us. God bless you, and uh, folks, thanks for listening. To be sure to tune in again next time. Our listener comment line is 1-800-345-2621. 1-800-345-2621. This is Rich Bott. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.